Okay. <clears throat> so it's three minutes after, so I think we can go ahead and start. Let's begin the way we always do with a prayer. So if we could all close our eyes. I humbly bow to my Gurudev, Paramahamsa Hari Haranandaji. I humbly bow to my Guruji, Paramahamsa Pragyananandaji. I humbly bow to our line of Kriya Yoga masters. I humbly bow to saints and sages of all religions. I humbly bow to all the divine incarnations in every place and in every time. I humbly bow to the people of the whole world and especially to each one of you here this morning. And I humbly bow to God, God who is our heavenly father, our divine mother, our closest friend, our innermost self. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together again in this way this morning so that we may share in each other's spiritual lives, help to walk each other down the spiritual path, and help us to all realize the Om. Amen. So if you see me reaching up here, here and there, I'll, I'll check the, uh, the chats when I can. Um, but anyways, so um, if any of you out there don't know me, uh, I'm David Strassner, and I am coming to you from my home in Rochester, New York. And we have a, a nice Sunday morning to spend a little bit of time together talking about some spiritual things, doing a little practice. So I've been noticing that the up here in the Northeast, spring is, is starting to actually bloom a little bit. Um, we're finally seeing some buds on the trees, having some warmth in some of the days. We still have an odd day here or there where we get a little snow up here. But um, for those of us across the country who are starting to feel some spring, I'm hopeful that this, this turn towards nicer weather is going to also be a turn towards a nicer situation with the COVID difficulties that we've all been coping with and hopefully heading back more towards normal life. So, um, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's been negatively impacted by this. And I know that we will get back to normal. A day will come. And as yogis, we know that nothing is permanent. Everything is temporary. Everything is transient. So that is what gives us great patience to weather these types of difficult times. So today for a topic, um, there's a word, I don't know if you saw it on the email, but there was a word that I wanted to talk about. And the word is separateness, being separate, feeling separate. 
before I start talking about it, let me just start by saying the idea of this and thoughts about this, insights into this, feelings about this, understanding of this topic of separateness is something that I've been, you know, personally working with and working on for a while and am still continuing to work on. So as I'm discussing this with you, I'm also discussing it with myself because I'm a work in progress on this topic, but I think it's an extremely important topic. So I thought if we could share in it a little bit today, um, it's going to help both of us along the way, me and all of you. And uh, hopefully there will be something that will um, spark a little introspection within you about this, this topic. So when I, when I started realizing and thinking that separateness is an important thing in our spiritual journey, I started thinking, how is it so? How is it so that we feel so separate from each other, so isolated within ourselves? I think it's a very common human feeling and an underlying concept of how the word is, how that state of separateness is within us. It's so underlying that I don't think we even realize sometimes how much it's there, how much it affects everything about us. And, and that it could possibly be something that we ourselves are unknowingly perpetuating. So when I talk about separateness. It's the feeling, the thought, the concept that I only exist within the boundary of this skin. So I, me, is a singular isolated thing existing within the boundary of this skin. And then outside of this, my skin is everything else. There's me and there's everything else and I'm separate. There's a term that I think maybe some of you in the business world have, have heard. I think it's been popular in the last number of years. It's called being siloed or siloing things. A silo is you know, that long tubular tower that farmers store grain in and things like that. So silo, when you have something in a silo, it's completely separate. There's one silo sitting here, another silo sitting next to it, another silo here. They're completely separate. So the term siloing is sometimes used in business, especially if you're talking, you know, you can picture two teams that need to be working together, but they have absolutely no connection. So there's no... Uh, interaction. These two teams are siloed and it takes, you know, a skilled manager to bring them together. And I, I think 
without knowing it, that's how we understand life to be. That's how we understand our existence to be, that we are these individual silos, completely separate from everything else, everyone else. And what does that breed in us? What does that bring? That is what brings so much anxiety, loneliness, depression, fear. Fear is the underlying emotion that creates all these other things. Fear is kind of the bottom line. Fear of what the world is going to do to you, fear of what is going to happen to you, worrying about the future, sad and depressed about the past, struggles against other people, seeing others as adversaries, seeing even the entire world as hostile. So this idea of feeling separate is very powerful and very ingrained in us. You could say it is in Sanskrit, one of a very basic and powerful samskara in us, that this, this feeling of separateness is so deeply grooved into our psyche and into who we think we are, that this is how we live our life. Think about even us as yogis. This is what's been kind of making my, my brain itch a little bit is think of us even as yogis, as we understand we're, we're trying to achieve union with, with God. Observe yourself for a moment and think about how you even approach your yoga or your prayers or your relationship with God. When you are sitting to pray, when you're praying to God, are you stretching yourself out and you have this feeling inside that you're reaching out to God, reaching out to something that is other than you? I think it's a very common feeling that when we're praying, we're praying to someone or something that's far away, that is other than us. We are this individual that are, that are praying to something other than us to help us, to guide us, to, to protect us. I think that's very, a very common place to be coming from in our prayers. Even when we're sitting to meditate and we're trying to be still and calm, are we feeling that I am meditating and these annoying sounds outside are bothering me. Are we trying to meditate and saying, my own thoughts are, are bothering me, making me and my thoughts actually adversaries and making them two different things. I am one thing, the thoughts are, are other. All these things I think are very, very common both in our daily life, how we approach the world and perceive the world, and in our meditation and our Kriya practice. So what do we do with this? Where's the, where's the direction we need to go? 
first of all, as always, we turn to our Gurudev because Baba Hariharananda, he gives us the answer in five very simple words, but five words that give us a lot of room to try to understand and to work with. He said, there is no non-God. Those five words, there is no non-God. So in his meaning, when he says there is no non-God, there is, we need to understand first intellectually that nothing exists that is not God. God is the one consciousness, the one beingness out of which God has manifested everything that is, but everything that God has manifested, God has manifested out of his own being. So it is also God. There is nothing that is God and not God. This is what the realized masters tell us. And it's one thing to intellectually hear that and say, okay, that's good. But there's what I've realized is there's a disconnect between realizing that and actually feeling it and living it and doing our spiritual practice in a way that is bringing that to reality in our own experience. We, the feeling of separateness is so strong and so deep. It's so difficult. Some of it is rooted in just the language we use, which is very imper imperfect and not able to fully express these spiritual truths we're trying to understand. Language is very limiting, and it's also filled with a lot of preconceptions, a lot of connotations that are just there that we unconsciously assume are, are true, but never really examine them. Just think of the word God. When we use the word God, how many of us, if you really examine your reaction to that word, think of God as other, other than you? You think of God as something else. You almost think of God as an object. You have subject, you have object, right? So if I'm looking at this candle over here on my altar, I'm the subject looking at this candle, which is the object. We have a tendency to think I'm thinking about God. So I'm the subject, God is the object. Just the, that word, I think, has so much built into it, where we tend to think of God as some infinite being that is different from us, that is separate from us. So one of the things I've started to do, I've tried to do, and so Gurudev gave us the first direction to understand that there is no non-God so how do we bring that into practice? First, understand another thing Gurudev said. To understand the situation we're in. Okay, so first we're understanding there is no non-God. 
Next, someone asked Gurudev, who is God? What is God? And he said, kind of paraphrasing the Bible, he said, God was one, but wanted to be many. So God created man and woman in his own image and breathed into them the breath of his life. So our situation that we can understand very simply is that the one has become the many and we are that many trying to remember that we are the one. So if we know this is our situation and we know that really there is nothing but the presence of God creating all of this, how do we work with our current mindset, our current feeling to move in the direction of awakening to that in, in reality? Something that I've been doing is adding the words instead of God at times, I'm using the word that you'll find a lot in the Upanishads and in other scriptures, the word self. Self is an interesting word because you have self with an uppercase S, a big S, and you have self with a lowercase S, a small S. And you can use the word self with the small S, to think about yourself as this individual incarnation that's, that's happening right now. And the word self with the capital S to mean that all-pervading one divine consciousness that has become everything. And the fact that they're both the same word but used in a slightly different way starts to help us make a little more connection in the direction we're trying to head in moving out of separateness. When we say we have an individual incarnation and we have self with a small s, but there is also God who is one, who has become all of us, who is self with a capital S, where confusion really comes is people think, okay, well, which is it? Are we all one? Or do we have an individual incarnation happening? And the reality is both are true. Both are reality. Both are happen happening simultaneously. Both are here simultaneously. This is part of what we need to learn as yogis that we can live and understand more than one plane of consciousness at a time, that God is infinite. God can exist in infinite places in infinite ways simultaneously. This is where we are. Yes, we do have an individual incarnation that we are living out at this moment. We do have a personality. We do have our own mind. We do have our own life in this creation right now. But simultaneously to being the self with the small s, we are also always the self with a capital S. We always are 
that one that has become the many. And we need to practice in a way where we start to feel that, that part of our living our life on more than one plane of consciousness, that part is what gets lost, gets drowned out by the busyness, the the glare of the external world, by the constant functioning of our minds. Our minds are the biggest impediment to it all. So if we understand that we're the self with the small s, we're living this incarnation. But when we sit to meditate, try to feel self with the capital S within you. And when you go to pray to God, you can reach out to God as if God is a million miles away and open yourself in that way. It's fine. There's nothing wrong. But don't forget to go inside yourself and pray to God who is right there at this very moment inside of you, who is you. So when you're praying, try that. You pray to God who is within you, who is the closest. Our guru Yoganandaji would say the nearest of the near, the dearest of the dear. God is right there and is not other. Instead of using the word God, use the word self. Self is right there and self is not other. Self is me, the small s. Self is also me, the big s. And then that, what I've been finding, trying to work with those words is that little by little, I'm getting little tastes of it where that is starting to bleed over into my feeling when I hear the word God. So that when the word God comes up, it isn't completely an innate feeling that God is other. It starts to be, I'm remembering that, you know, God is, is me and everything. So starting to change my feeling of that word to a little, I would say, deeper understanding and and deeper connection to to that word. So in our meditation practice, we try to still the mind the best we can, still the body, and we'll practice in a couple minutes here together and we'll, we'll we'll try to work on it a little. But as you're meditating, don't let anything be other. You're sitting to meditate. Okay, I'll give you an example of of myself. I'm sitting to meditate. My dog is going crazy barking at the mailman who's out front, right? That's the dog's job that they're supposed to bark at the mailman. And uh, he does a good job of it too because every day he barks at the mailman, every day the mailman goes away. So the dog thinks, I did my job yet another day. I'm really good at this. So, so, you're sitting, I'm sitting to meditate. The dog is barking like crazy at the mailman. It used to be, I would get disturbed by that and say that darn dog, I wish he'd stop barking. You know, sometimes if he kept barking and barking, I would, in my meditation, I would yell, Henry, stop it. 
now more of the feeling I'm getting and more of what I'm trying to do, again, I'm working on this stuff, just like all you guys are working on it, is that when he's going crazy out there barking, all I feel in my meditation is that this is the presence of God barking as a dog. This is myself manifesting over there as this dog barking. So what is there to be disturbed? If everything is self, everything is me in essence, everything is the presence of God. If the dog is barking, or if you've got an itch on your leg that won't go away, you see it, you feel it as this is the presence of God also. And then you love it. And this is what you do in your daily life too. Everything that comes to you through your senses, everything you see, hear, smell, touch, every action you're doing, every thought that's coming in your mind, every feeling that manifests in your body, see it as God and then love it. So you observe it and then love it because it is God. And it is literally true. As Gurudev said, there is no non-God. So that barking dog or that itch on your leg, that is also God manifesting. So when you love it, number one, it no longer bothers you. Number two, you start to realize more and more that continual abiding presence of the divine. It's a wonderful thing to, to start to work on because then you feel no matter what you are doing, You can love it and you can be in that moment and feel that this moment is a perfect moment, no matter what you're doing. And this is related to a teaching that our Guruji Pragyananda has brought to us many times. He talks about uh, the Sanskrit words rad, Raja and Dvesha, right? Likes and dislikes. Guruji has said to us, you live in a divided world, you are the one who has divided it. He has said that exact thing to us. And we've divided it into things we like and things we don't like. So how do we get out of that? Do we convince ourselves to like all the stuff we don't like? No. We see everything as the abiding presence of God. And we start to feel our oneness with that, feel that it is self in everything, self in all. And when you start to see things like that, it, the likes and dislikes start to decrease. That's how you can love your enemies, as Jesus said. This is really, it's really, really powerful stuff but it's so subtly ingrained in us that we are separate and that everything else is other. 
that I think it's one of the foundational unconscious assumptions that we need to awaken from. So I'm just gonna take a quick look at the chats. This is kind of my thoughts on top. I'm gonna look quick, quick at the chats and then we can, we can practice a little. Mm, yes, yes, correct. Um, it helps me, he says, it helps me, oh, Karen, uh, she says it helps me to constantly think that I am all that is outside the body, even the ugly stuff. There is no separation. We are this and that. I am you, you are me. Yes, with a question mark. Yes, um, absolutely. I am you, you are me. We are just the one. It reminds me, the last time I was at the ashram, it was really interesting. I was touching on this topic just, just a little bit. I had, it hadn't developed in me yet as much as it has now, but the thought that, you know, we are all the one consciousness that is just manifesting in all these different names and forms. And I gave a talk at the ashram right before Guruji Pragyananda was going to give his talk. So I guess I was kind of uh, his warm up act. Um, and, uh, and I was talking about this and I, I said, you know, it's like, I'm just sitting here talking to myself, right? When you think of it in that way, that it's just the one consciousness. And then Guruji comes out to give his talk and he makes some remarks about something. And, and then he says, yes, it's like, I'm just sitting here talking to myself. <laughs> and the person sitting next to me, like leaned over the big smile and said, he just said exactly the same words you just said. And, and, uh, and it was, it was, it was really, it was spectacular because I mean, he just said exactly word for word. And what's wonderful, it's, looking back on it, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Because he wasn't in the room. He didn't hear the talk I was given, giving. I had not been asked to talk on any particular topic. So I was just talking about stuff off the top of my head. And so how did he come in the room a few minutes later and quote back the exact words that I had just said? Now, I can't say this 100% for sure. This is just my speculation about how he could do this. But my speculation is that he is living in this oneness. He is awake to the fact that he is self with a capital S. And that same self is manifesting as everyone and everything. So he can be in and observe anything and anywhere that he wants to. And so to me, it's like a, a real world example of the idea that we're talking about here. So let me just check the, the chats a little bit more. Um, <laughs> so, so someone mentions, uh, 
Ah, about a sloka in the Gita, 1820, um, about unity and diversity, likes and dislikes. But why do we feel separated? Yes. Um, yeah. Why do we feel separated? <clears throat> There's so many great talks on uh, uh, chats here. I, I feel bad. I'm going through reading them all, and I'm just letting you all sort of sit there and look at me reading them. But they're all wonderful. It's hard for me to read all of them all at once here and, and respond, but they're wonderful. But hopefully, uh, Phil Baba will leave the, the, the screen up for a little bit after we finish. I can complete going, at least looking at all of them, if not you know, able to respond. But why do we feel separate? You know, that's one of those big questions, um, you know, right up there with why do we exist? Why is there suffering? These sorts of things. You know, I think in the end, <clears throat> our finite minds can't understand the infinite mind of God. So it's a little hard for us to wrap our heads around it. There are a lot of things in the teachings and the scriptures that address this, you know, the idea that, that all of this is actually really an illusion and, and it's, you know, there isn't reality to it. It's like, uh, it's like going to the movies and watching a movie, but you know, when the movie is over, you go back to real life. The movie wasn't real. Um, you know, in my mind, that's, that's true and, and, and not at the same time. Because it's true in the way that, that the only thing that ultimately is real is God. Because God is the only thing that is eternal. Only the eternal is ultimately real. The things that are impermanent are only relatively real. So there's a delineation between ultimately real and relatively real. But in my mind, I feel that while we are living on one of these relatively real planes of existence, this is quite real also. Sure is for, for us, you know, because life hurts sometimes. So it shows that it is real. But I think we have a wonderful opportunity here as yogis and especially with such beautiful masters like our Gurudev, our Guruji, our whole line of Kriya Yoga masters to go so deep in our inner awareness that we can start to, we can start to feel some comfort with these apparent, these apparent dichotomies, the, these things that are apparently contradictory. I think that's a big part of yoga is being able to be all right with things that are on the surface seeming to contradict each other, but knowing that if we go to a deeper level, there is no contradiction. There is wholeness. There is oneness. And in the meantime, while we're trying to work on getting there, we have to live with, you know, the anxieties or the sadnesses or the, the difficulties that we face in life that we wish we didn't have within us and try to more and more see those things, 
not judge them one way or the other, but just observe them and then love them as another manifestation of the presence of God. So this is what I'm trying to do. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, someday I'll be a hundred percent there, but, uh, you know, this is what we're here for, for us to help each other along the way and, uh, and, and to make progress. So why don't we, why don't we sit for a few minutes together and we'll, we'll just meditate a little and see if we can feel a little of this because ultimately one of the most important things that Gurudev taught us, and you all know one of his most famous sayings that one ounce of practice is worth tons of theories. And he's right. You know, we can think all day long, we can read books all day long, and it really ultimately doesn't make that much difference until we try to practice and apply it to our lives. So why don't we sit together for a moment? Let's let us close the eyes. Wherever you're sitting, if you can sit with the spine a little bit straight, but comfortable. Immediately, you will become aware of something inside you. What do you observe first? Is it the breath moving in, moving out? Is it divine sound, the ohm sound ringing inside? Is it some feeling of the energy, the vibration, maybe in the whole body? Whatever it is that arises and comes to your attention, allow that to draw you in more and more. Just making the shift from external awareness to internal awareness. And bring the awareness to the whole body. Let the body relax a little more. Observe if there is any tension in the body and just try to let it drain away. You know the feeling of contentment. We've all had that feeling from time to time. So try to cultivate 
the feeling of contentment in the whole body. As if there's no desire in the whole body to move at all. No desire to move. Then observe the condition of the mind. Let the thoughts gently come to rest, not wrestling with them, not forcing. Just let the mind feel that there is no place else to go, nothing else to do at this moment. Just to settle where it is. Some awareness of the breath naturally, gently moving in and out helps us to settle more and more into this moment. Taking the awareness inside the middle of the head. There may be some light, some sound, some vibration there. So you have observed the body, you have observed the mind. Now you are in a, in a place where you are perceiving a more subtle presence than either the body or the mind.
the more quiet we become, the more we get just the most tiny sense of some kind of consciousness that is there, some kind of beingness. And it is into that beingness that we are settling. The self within us, the self with the capital S, that pure essence that has become everything that is. Let the body sense dissolve. Let the presence of the mind and the individual identity of this incarnation dissolve. This is where Gurudev is taking us into the formless. The formless is the essence of the presence of God underlying all the forms. Merge into it, merge into it. The great saying in the Upanishads, tat tvamashi, thou art that.
Then again, feel your presence in the middle of the head. Feel the presence of the mind, the presence of the body. Open the eyes. So when you are in your inner world, in your Kriya practice, in your prayer, you don't have to choose between praying to God as if God is other than you, if you want to say, oh Lord, help me, I need help with this or that, and merging into oneness and feeling no separation from God. You don't have to choose. You can flow in and out of both of them. You can see yourself from the plane of consciousness as an individual being who is praying to God. But then you can also slide into merging in God and being God. It is the difference between the sixth and seventh centers. The soul center is the place of God with form. It's the place of two-ness. It's the place of Jesus, of Krishna. It's the place, it's called Saguna Brahman, where we can have a little bit of separation, a little bit of distance so that we can give our love to God, so that we can feel God's love for us. We can be in relationship. When we rise to the fontanelle, to the seventh center in our awareness, this is the place of merging. This is the place of oneness. This is nirguna brahman, the place of God without form. So we can, remember Gurudev always said, from the level of the eyebrows up is the divine kingdom. As long as we are here and above in our consciousness, these chakras correspond with levels of consciousness, levels of awareness. So we can have a little bit of separation when we want to love God, pray to God, feel God's love for us. Then we're in the sixth center. When we want to feel that there is no separation anymore, when we are one, when we are in completely self with a capital S, we're in the seventh center. So remember that in your meditation, in your prayer life, you can do both. You can slide in and out of those states of awareness and enjoy them both. 
and in your daily life, try to feel more and more that whatever I'm doing, I'm seeing and feeling that it is only self. It is only the one. It is only God doing this, manifesting as that in every thought, every feeling, every activity. And then when you think of that and start to look at things that way, then love it. Whatever you're doing, see God's presence and then love it. And that way, every moment will be a perfect moment. Every moment will be a wonderful moment. So I pray to God and gurus to please help us more and more to awaken to these realities. And I pray that they will help us to get past this pandemic so that we can be together in person and so that we can get back to what we think of as normal life. Om, amen. So thank you, everyone. And uh, hopefully, Phil Baba, maybe you can leave the connection for a few minutes so I can look through the, uh, the chats. Many people have given very nice chats that I want to take a look through. And um, I look forward to uh, seeing you all at some point, um, if not in person next time, again, in this way, over the Zoom. All right. So everybody have a great day. Thank you. God bless you. Jai Guru.